Does anybody remember Waldo? Where's Waldo? So I'm going to give this to a kid today if you have the fastest hand. Ooh, there you go, right there. But he's littler than you. I'll give it to you if you want it. But would you be kind enough? You sure? Can we give that young lady just a hand? Like, that's just so, it's so Christ-like to just pass the Waldo book to a younger one. I don't know what I'm talking about right now, guys. Well, where's Waldo? So Dory found this book. This, this Where's Waldo book is a collection of every singer, single Where's Waldo book I think ever made. And it's awesome. It's like the travel guide. And then some of the parts of it, it folds out. And I just thought, if you're a kid and you're in church and you're listening to a guy like me, you need something better to do. <laughs> you need something way better to do. Can we pass that back? And uh, I wanted to introduce Waldo. We can put the slide up that I have for the sermon today. But I wanted to introduce Waldo because Waldo stands out to me for a couple reasons. And, and kids recognize Waldo, but more than that, I think adults recognize Waldo. How many of you remember any of the other characters from Where's Waldo? A dog? We got one guy with a photographic memory that totally ruined my point. You can't talk anymore. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's like a dog and a wizard. But the, the, the reality of Waldo is that you open up this page of book, and I always like to read it because there's, there's no words. And so the teacher's like, go get a book to read. I got you. I'm going to... This is a really big one. Look how smart I am. You open it up and there are thousands of images all over this book. And yet, when I look back, minus the photographic memory, I can only recall one. Waldo. I'm looking for the one guy in the striped shirt. I don't know, with the cane, what, whatever he's wearing, a red and white striped shirt. And that's all I could look for. And so I, I, I trained my eyes as a kid to be able to start in the top left corner of the book and just scan it really quickly, back and forth, until I saw that red and white striped shirt. Anything that was red and white, I'd kind of maybe stop on, but if it wasn't Waldo, I would just move on. And I, could, I would get really, really good at these, and I could find him pretty quickly until you get to the one Waldo one where they're all Waldos. And then you have to really pay attention. But the reality of Waldo is that you and I learn to blur out everything else except for that one thing. And we become fixated on that thing. We just, you develop a filter. And that's all you can see. That's my whole sermon today. Seriously. Jesus had this uncanny way of playing Where's Waldo with everyone around him. I am so serious. And do not tune me out because we're, we have kids in the service and so we try to do something that's a little kid friendly like a cool slide. Look at that. This is a well. If you're listening on the radio, the, uh, the, uh, the slide is the image of the sermon, but 
This is a road. This is a well. Things to take your attention. And Waldo. Kids understand Waldo. But if you tune me out because of that, then you're going to miss a huge point. Jesus had an uncanny way of playing Where's Waldo with people. Here's an example. In Samaria or near Samaria, there was a well. And there was a woman at that well that Jesus met. And when he met that woman, he told her everything about her life and more things than she, had, she could even know about herself. And she went back into that town and changed the entire village because Jesus went to a place where there would be one person. He put his filter on and he said, I'm going to go to a well where people draw water. But I'm not going to go to that well during a time when everyone's there. I'm going to go to that well in the heat of the day where no one else would be drawing water except for the one person who is the most hurting, the most broken, the most ashamed, and the most poor. I'm going to actually choose a time where, only, where I know probably only one person will be, and when I find that one person, I'm going to know that they're hurting. I'm going to know they're, they're Waldo. That's who I'm looking for. And I'm going to completely disregard everyone else. They're a blur. I'm going to forget about them. I'm not even going to go when they're around. Jesus had this uncanny way of just scanning over everyone else and finding the one. In one city, of all the people who touched him, crowd, okay, so you got to understand something about Jesus. He healed everybody, right? So crowds are gathered around him, just bumping up against him, trying to get a little bit of what Jesus has to offer, not even understanding fully that he's God. And one woman who has the worst bleeding issue ever, one woman who's the most hurting. One woman who hasn't been able to touch anyone for, her, for, the, for the past several years of her life because she's unclean. One woman who people won't go five feet from reaches out and touches him. And guess what? That's the one he notices. It's like he's walking through a crowd, not paying attention to anyone around him. And then a lady touches him and he goes, oh, there you are. You're who I've been looking for. Completely disregarding everyone else around him. Kids, does any kids in here remember a story, or adults, about a time when Jesus was sitting with his disciples, watching people bring money and giving it to the temple, to God. And one woman walks up with two small copper coins, and she drops them in and Jesus just says, hold up, teaching moment. I notice her because she's poor. Do you guys notice her? Do you guys see her? Because you guys have been, I'm aware that you guys have been watching everyone dump tons of money in and hearing the noise and you guys have been paying attention to this culture and saying wow this person's really glorifying God wow look at how many riches this person's giving to God I noticed this person because of what they're able to donate or give to the kingdom of God and Jesus says I haven't even been paying attention to them they're a blur I've been waiting for the one I notice her 
Jesus had this just crazy, uncanny ability to play Waldo with people. He notices the poor. Here's what I want you to get. He notices the poor. He notices the hurting. He notices the desperate. And to me, it seems like everything else is a constant blur. In Matthew 19, Jesus encounters a super wealthy rich dude. Does anybody remember this story? The rich guy comes up to him, got a nod. You're, you're smart over there. This guy comes up to him, Jesus, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? I've been sinless. To make a long story short, the entire conversation culminates to one moment when Jesus says this. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. Even in the moments when Jesus is encountering the rich, even in the moments when he's encountering the people who are pursuing him with all of their hearts seemingly, God, what do I have to do to find your kingdom? What do I need to do? I've done all these things. Can I be there? What, what do I need to do? Even in those moments, everyone is a blur to him except for the poor. And Jesus looks at this man and he loves him and he sees an opportunity. That guy could impact the poor. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. It's crazy. I know it's a little bit different lens in reading the Gospels, but I challenge you to read it. I challenge you to go through the things that Jesus is doing and understand how much he is focused on the poor, how much he is focused on the hurting and the broken, so much so that everyone else is just kind of there. But he's not noticing them at all. He's fixated on the poor. Now, some of you take notes in church and some of you don't. If you don't take notes in church, you should take notes in church for like the one thing that the preacher's trying to say. You can just write that down. This would be that time. This is, this is the one thing I'm going to say. So you, you want to get your iPhones out and, and you want to turn words with friends off. And you want to open up your notepad. I'm the only one that plays that, true. And I lose to everyone I play. I said this last time, I can't use my iPhone in church because I'll start playing words with friends. <laughs> so I have to bring my Bible. I'd be playing words with friends up here right now, looking up, looking up the Bible. And oh, just one, one moment, one play. I got a Z on a triple letter score. If you want to encounter God's supernatural influence, so we prayed for people's knees to be healed this morning before service began, and maybe God touched some. That would be awesome. If you want to actually encounter God's supernatural influence in this world, if you want to go to those places and see what God is up to, you have to seek out and find the poor. And you have to spend time with them. I will repeat that because I got three nods. If you want to encounter God's supernatural influence in this world, if you want to go to the places where Jesus is up to stuff, you're going to have to find and spend time with the poor because that is where Jesus is. He goes as far as to say it. I was thirsty, where were you? I was hungry, where were you? I was naked, where were you? 
I was broken. Where were you? And so that's my whole sermon. But I want to drive it home. So I'm going to say the same thing about ten more times to you. And I want to lead up to past the well, to past the woman with the issue of blood, to past all of these times when Jesus is just seeking out the poor and everyone else is a blur, to what he's up to the moments and days before he finally goes to the cross to do his final work. And it's in Luke 19. So let's go to Luke 19. If you have your iPhones, flip over to Luke 19, verse 1. As Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, this is awesome to me. Let me tell you a little bit about Jericho. Can I tell you a little bit about Jericho? I love the contextual, like, Rob Bell kind of, I know some people hate Rob Bell, but I love that contextual kind of what is the Bible really saying stuff. Jesus passing through Jericho is significant. Here is why. Jericho is one of the most oldest cities in the known world. Jericho was known as the city of palms. Actually... If Jerusalem represents God's government and God's kingdom, you know, even in Revelation there will be a new Jerusalem, and that's the place where all this stuff with Jesus happened and where he was crucified. If Jericho or Jerusalem represents God's government, Jericho represents man's government. And so we see in the Old Testament the Joshua and the battle of Jericho and the walls falling down and this message being sent. God is the ruler of all. Man is not the ruler and God will take over. And Jericho was one of the richest cities in the world, the city of palms. And if you were anybody who was anybody, you ended up in Jericho at some point. And Jericho, listen, was not a city to be passed through. Jericho was a city to go to, to do your business. Jericho was where the rich hung out. Jericho was a place that mattered. And if you were going anywhere, you better stop in Jericho. Because Jericho is the best. And so we see, in some of the final days before Jesus goes to the cross, he's passing through Jericho. He's not doing business in Jericho. He's passing through Jericho. And Jericho, the richest city in the world, I believe, was a blur. Was a blur to Jesus. He's just passing through. But he's up to something. Let's keep reading. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. So you know about Jericho. Let me tell you about fig trees. Can we get a picture of a fig tree up there? Can you draw one real quickly? Thank you. You're fast. Fig trees were some of the most bushy and... Well, I guess you could say hidden trees around, meaning you could hide in them easily. If someone is in a fig tree, you can't see them very well. Consequently, Jericho actually had rules as to how many fig trees you could have in the city. Why? 
because it blocked the view. They would block the view. And they also had other rules about how many fig trees you could have around the city wall. Do you know how many fig trees you could have around the city wall, inside or outside? Zero. You could not have these sycamore trees around the city walls because enemies could climb them, hide in them, no one could see them, and then they could invade your city. So here's Jesus passing through Jericho. And I want to give you insight into what he's doing. Crowds are following him. Many people want him to come eat at their house, to come spend time with them. He's not paying attention to any of them. He's stopping under every single fig tree and looking up, checking them out. Passing through Jericho. Oh, there's a fig tree. Oh, there's a fig tree. And he finally arrives at a fig tree where he looks up and he sees who he's looking for. This dude is hiding. Even in the richest place, Jesus is focused on the one person who is the most hurting, who is the most hiding, and who is the most broken. And Jesus stops ignoring everyone else, and he looks up in the fig tree and he says this, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And everyone gets all mad at him. He's going to eat at the house of a sinner. And immediately Zacchaeus says, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay it back four times the amount. Crazy. Even in Jericho as Jesus is passing through because he's got better things to do. He's passing through Jericho, the place where you never have better things to do. Jesus has better things to do. But even in his passing through, he's checking out the only place in that city where someone might be hiding so that he can find the one person who's the most broken. And in that, finding the one person who is the most broken, who is also wealthy, he has immediate impact into the lives of the poor. And Zacchaeus sells his stuff and gives it. To the poor. Jesus is fixated on the poor and the poor in spirit. He doesn't show intention toward anyone else. He just doesn't. He's fixated on it. So Jesus is passing through Jericho. Where's he going? Anyone have an idea based on the slide? He's going to Jerusalem. This is Luke 19. Luke only has 24 chapters. We know what he's going to Jerusalem to do, right? Jesus is passing through Jericho because something much greater is in the works, something supernatural. 
He's going to Jerusalem. He's going to the place where man's government and wealth rule. To the place where he will establish God's kingdom. Where the poor are going to be treated like kings. He's going with one last effort, a few chapters later, to point out a woman in Jerusalem who gives two small copper coins as if he's saying, Guys, one last time, look, I noticed the poor. She's giving more than everyone else. He's going to sit his disciples down in a room. And he's going to take bread. And he's going to break it. And he says, this is my body broken for you. I'm leaving heaven. I'm leaving the greatest place. I have become like you. I have become poor. And in a few short days, I'm going to make you all into my body. My body's broken so that you can become my body. This is crazy. This is awesome. I get very excited about this. Because when you become my body, the body of Christ, you're going to have my eyes. You're going to begin to play Where's Waldo with the world. You're going to notice how everyone becomes a blur except for the poor, except for the hurting. And I don't care, Jesus says, how awkward it makes you feel. Because there will be moments in your life when you're walking down the street, when you're at work, when you're at school, and you see the one, and they're poor, and they're broken, and they're hurting, and they smell. And they exist on the other side of the ocean, dying of hunger. And you're going to hear about them, and you're going to see them, and you're going to feel a pull towards them. And you're going to have a tension, because you have a body. But I am invading you with my body, and I'm giving you my eyes, and I'm giving you my hands, and I'm giving you my feet. And all I want you to do with it is change the world by focusing on the poor. Jesus spends the entire Gospels walking around focused on the poor, fixated on the poor. That's all he sees. And then he goes to the cross to die for our sins, to cover us with his grace. This sin of selfishness that allows us to only stare in a mirror and only see ourselves and only spend all our resources on everything that we think will make us better. And he dies for it and he takes it to hell. And he says, I'm injecting my eyes into you. I'm putting them in your sockets. I'm putting the mind of Christ in you so that you can see the poor. And as he hangs on the cross, completely abandoned by his own father, he looks over to his right and he sees one other guy on a cross. The guy is so hurting. And all the guy can say is, will you please remember me? All that guy has is a memory. And Jesus says, you know what? You're coming with me. Because even in the most terrible moment when all he can feel is the pain of every sin on the world. 
All he can see is the poor. All he can see is the poor. So as we come forward to receive communion and then go back and and sing songs of worship, we receive it in memory of Jesus, thankful for his forgiveness and grace. And please know that it is thankfulness for the death that means I don't have to focus on myself anymore. It's thankful for a grace that would put Christ's eyes in your brain so that you can see someone other than yourself and so that you can spend your resources. Isaiah says if we spend ourselves on behalf of the oppressed and the poor, then our light will shine in the darkness and make the darkness shine like the noonday. Jesus gave us that. So as we come forward and receive this communion, please let us ask for Christ's eyes so that we can be like him and notice the one. Notice the one hiding in a sycamore tree. Go to the places where there's one who would be by a well when no one else is there because it's the middle of the day. To notice the one person who would reach out and try to touch us because they're hurting to not be focused on all of the other things that are not Waldo. Just the one. The poor. That's that's the gospel. That's what it's about. The poor. The poor. You want to come to the sides? Come up.